Hello, hello, my lovely audience. It is Nat, Natalie Naturally Ryan. You know I go by all three. And today, on our newest episode of When Anxious Kids Grow Up, Where Do They Go? We are going to be talking about my favorite thing, which is music. Because your girl, me, faced a very big fear um, just a couple days ago. And so I want to celebrate the little victory. I want to remind you all to celebrate your little victories with mental health. And I want to talk about how music impacts anxiety. Yeah. So that's what we're going to do. So the little victory of mine is there was a free course offered by the Korean Cultural Center of Los Angeles, so KCCLA, and they were teaching um, K-pop dances. And I was like, that sounds fun. I love dancing. I am very insecure about my body, but I love dancing. Why not just go and try it out? So I registered because like, they only had limited spots, so if you didn't register, then you wouldn't get in. And I was like, oh, worst comes to worst, like, I just have to write a really bad apology email and kind of feel bad for a day or two. Right. Well, I went and it was the most fun experience actually. So it was, it was very daunting when I got into the Zoom call. So I kept my camera off, kept my mic off for a while because I was like, ugh. Um, and there was a dance instructor and a vocal instructor just like chilling in the room and they were both speaking in Korean, obviously. Um, and there was a translator who came in a little bit later to translate like everything that was happening. Um, but they were very professional. All of them are very professional. And I was like, this feels like I should be paying for this class. I know it's free, but I feel like I should be paying someone. And we began dancing and they said, hey, um, can you guys turn on your cameras so we can watch you? Because then like, we can know where you guys need help. So we're not just teaching to you know, a blank Zoom screen. And I turned on my camera. I was one of the first people to do so. And I, I've wanted to do dance covers for a long time. I love dancing. I learned dances all the time or parts of dances all the time um but the moment that i try to record myself or i see myself i am suddenly no longer confident i tried to do a cover of txt's crowned um with a friend of mine because we were gonna (laughs) we were gonna promote our podcast by doing a dance cover great great plan um and he did it and he did super super well um and then i had to do it And I learned the dance, the part that I wanted to, from my bias in the group. Um, And then I filmed myself, and I hated it. I hated seeing how my body moved. I hated seeing that I didn't move, or that my body didn't look like the boys. I hated that so much. I hated the facial expressions I made, because when I'm dancing, I get very happy and very excited, and you think, oh, why do you hate being happy and excited? No, I don't hate being happy and excited. I hate re-watching the footage and seeing a stupid grin on my face, and seeing that I just kind of look dumb. That's that's what I don't like. And so, um, I never ended up covering the dance. I was like, I'm sorry, I had a panic attack following me trying to film. And I was like, I'm so sorry, I can't do this. I I had a whole panic attack. I feel so bad. Um, And he was very understanding, which is good for me, because I was like, how do I explain this? But ever since then, I I really wanted to be a dancer for a long time. I took dance lessons when I was really, really little, before I was diagnosed with my autoimmune disease. 
took them a little bit after, like I was a ballerina and I was really, really good at it when I was really little. And then, um, I didn't dance from the time that I was like eight to 12. And when I was 12, I started doing musical theater. So I was dancing here and there. Um, and the last time that I was in a show that required dancing, albeit not a lot, it, I was like 16. So for the last couple, like I've been in and out of practice. So I, if I'm choreographed, I can do really well. And if you give me time to practice, I can do really well. But I don't want to see myself. But I want to make dance covers and post them to YouTube. So I, can we see all of the issues here? Um, so the tiny victory was that I actually did well in this dance class and I could see myself and the instructors could see me and I was dancing and I was having a good time and I felt like really in tune with the music and being able to count out the beats and just felt really good. So that's my small victory of the last week and I wanted to let everyone know that just because it was a really good time. Um, and now let's talk about why it's important to celebrate your small victories. So a lot of people feel like they can't celebrate milestones until they're these major milestones. Like you can't celebrate finishing sophomore year because you're not graduating, right? Like it, it's very, it's kind of dumb in my opinion. Like people will, they'll say, oh, well, today was the first day I haven't had a panic attack in two weeks. And I say, well, why aren't you like, why aren't you celebrating that? Like, that's great. If you've been having a panic attack every day for the last two weeks, and now here's your first day without it. And they go, well, I don't want to ruin the progress. I'm like, how are you ruining the progress? If anything, you're making it more tangible. You're noticing it, you're recognizing it, and you're showing your body and yourself that this is what you want to replicate. Sometimes, to make sure that I get things done, I have to treat myself like either a child or a puppy. And I know that sounds so stupid, and I will elaborate. But I always think, like, okay, I've been putting this off for X amount of time. I'm going to be a healthy parent to myself, and I'm going to go and take myself to brush my teeth. I'm going to go and take myself to go get a snack. You know what? Like, like, and I think about it in that mindset of, like, hey, I'm protecting my body. This body has to, you know, live so that I may live, because, yep. Um... And so sometimes, like, that will help if you ever find yourself needing to get back on track. And that being said, I think that you need to celebrate your little victories. If you are someone who drinks four cups of coffee a day and you have toned it down to, like, two, celebrate that. <laughs> Don't celebrate it with more caffeine, but celebrate that in some way. Honor that. Make sure that you know that you've made progress. Or if you know that you have issues with anger and you see a situation that you're like, I could get mad at this or I could walk away from it. And you choose to walk away. Make sure that you reward yourself for that. <laughs> I feel like people don't celebrate those little victories enough. Because this dance class was like an hour of my time. But now that I have recognized the impact it's had and I've celebrated that for myself, I have so much more confidence. So yes, think about celebrating your little victories. Think about it, just for me. Even if you're not gonna celebrate it for yourself, celebrate it for me. So the next thing I would like to talk about is music and anxiety. And the reason I wanna talk about this, the reason I'd like to talk about this is because um, a lot of people in my college have been suggesting that I become a music therapist. So like I obviously get, obviously get licensed as a therapist and like I'll study psychology, but then I focus on how music can neurologically 
impact people and how it can be a good tool for healing. Music, in my opinion, um, is a very great tool for healing because it's someone taking all the emotions that you either have felt or want to feel and they're turning it into something that you had no part in and so you can look at that and say, wow, someone else understands. And I think that that's very important because generally people with mental health issues can feel incredibly isolated. <laughs> that is not just me saying that, that's me living through that. So when, when you can look out at a piece of art someone else has made and you can say, this is a representative of me but you know that you had no part in making it. It wasn't your art, it wasn't your healing. This is someone else going through their own set of emotions. It feels like, even though you don't know the person, it feels like somehow you're connected. And that, that is so important. I think, at, at the very least, I think so. Um, so, and a lot of times, like looking into academic research, music has been shown to affect the stress response. Um, it's been suggested that it will beneficially impact health via stress-reducing expects. Expects? Via stress-reducing effects. Wow, I can't speak. However, there's not really a ton of research on it. Like, the existing literature isn't that much. Um, and I mean, let's think about it. Like, we... <laughs> as a society, have more access to music than ever, which is incredible. I always think back to, like, the middle, the medieval ages, like, when people were just going around and, like, the only time you would hear music is if there happened to be a band playing in the town square. Like, what? Like, oh my god, I'm listening to music all the time. I'm listening to music so much that if I could only listen to it like that, I would lose it. I would lose it. Or think about it, when you had to go, like, let's think about Beatles-era America and England. Let's think about Beatlemania in the 60s. When you had to go out and you either had to see them perform songs or you had to wait in line to buy little tiny records that were just singles that only had one song on each side, and that was all you had? What? I have a Spotify playlist that has music from France, Germany, South Korea, Japan, and China, and if I lived decades ago, I would not know a thing about some music that I absolutely love and adore, and that breaks my heart. I, if I did not have access to technology, I would have avoided my Eurovision phase altogether. And here's the thing, the Eurovision phase still isn't over, I love Alexander Ryback with my whole heart and soul, just gonna bring that up. But there, my point is, is that without the technology that we have today, music would be so much more inaccessible. Music would be so much harder to come by. And that breaks my heart in a strange way. I, I hope that other people think about what would happen if you didn't live now. Like, Spotify, Spotify wrapped, absolutely gone, not here anymore. Like, what, what would you do? What would you do if you didn't have music? And to people like me who listen to music, every hour of the day, like, we're sitting here suffering. I know some people who never listen to music who tell me they don't like listening to music, and I'm like, who hurt you? Are you okay? Basically, the reason that music is so important to the stress effect is that stress, if people think that, oh, I'm just stressed out, I can deal with it. No, long-term stress can impact your entire health, like, all of it. Um, 
basically, stress can hurt you physiologically, cognitively, and emotionally. As well as, like, just think about it. When you're stressed out, you're burnt out. You feel tired. You can feel that tension in your shoulders. You can feel that you're not sleeping as well as you should be. You can feel that. Think about what's happening on every other part of your body. Think about how bad that's going for every other part of your body. If you can feel it, if it's if it's so big that you can feel it, what do you think's happening on a microscopic level? Even smaller than that, like, what do you think's going on? How are your cells doing? <laughs> Um, I am not a an expert on stress, mainly because anytime I read about stress, I go, ooh, I need to be less stressed, and then I get stressed out trying to not be stressed. But music has been shown to beneficially affect stress-related uh, physiological, cognitive, and emotional processes. Thus, listening to music as a non-invasive and highly accepted intervention tool has received special interest in management of stress and stress-related health issues. This kind of makes me think of, this part at the very least, makes me think a lot of when people listen to sad music to get sadder, and everyone's like, oh my god, why are you, why are you listening to sad music? You're already sad. It's because I'm already sad. It's because I want someone to set this emotion out with me. But, 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 music can also be used on the flip side of that, and it can be used to distract from negative emotions. Which, not a bad thing. Sometimes, sometimes you need to be distracted from stress or from anxiety or from sadness. Um, as long as you process those emotions eventually, and I'm not saying eventually as in years from now, but like eventually as in like, oh, in a couple hours, oh, in a day, oh, in a week. But you're sitting in those emotions right now and you're trying to be distracted from them. When you're at a point in your mental wellness journey that you cannot separate yourself from the emotion, I completely understand why you'd want to be distracted. Hell, there are even sometimes I want to be distracted and I work in a mental health field and I should technically be good at this. I'm not good at this. Um, I'm still learning how to do this. But point is, you're listening to sad music to make yourself sad or you're listening to music to distract yourself from everything going on. And sometimes I feel like the distraction can be beneficial in some areas. I mean, let's think about it. Let's just take an example. So I've been in and out of music-based fandoms since I was a child. Um, but like One Direction was a very big part of my adolescent years from like ages 11 and 12 to even now I still listen to them. But like One Direction, if you looked at the fan base, um, a lot of it was like teenage girls. Yeah. Um, and let's think about it. Teenage girls just get a lot of hell thrown at them in society. I mean, they're made fun of for liking things like One Direction, but then they're made fun of if they try to like indie music. They're made fun of if they like Starbucks. They're made fun of if they like to read. They, they're made fun of for everything because you're either going to be called basic or you're going to be told you're trying too hard. You're trying too hard to not be like other girls. And overall, teenage girls just go through a lot. Like going to a school full of other teenage girls who are all insecure and trying to figure themselves out while also being told that they don't actually like the things they like. They only like those things because men think they should like them. That sucks. I've been a teenage girl. It's awful. I still am one. It sucks. Um, and so One Direction, I feel like there, people always ask, why are these major like boy band movements a thing? Like, like, why were the Beatles a thing? Why did they blow up so fast? Why did One Direction blow up so fast? And even on an almost non-comparable level, why is BTS now that boy band who's defining the global scene? 
Why are these here? And I'm going to say it's based on this distraction principle of music. I would listen to One Direction, yes, when I was sad, but I would listen to them especially when I didn't want to be sad. They were five boys that I could look at and go, wow, they are making music and they're talking about all of these things that I hope happen to me in the future, like falling in love, traveling the world, having a group of best friends that's inseparable. They're talking about all these things and for a moment I can live in that reality. I can live there. And when you find people who are fans of the same thing, it's again like a distraction. You feel like this unspoken sort of understanding because you're like, well, I know why I do it. Do they do it for the same reason? And now, I love BTS. I have I love BTS very much. I love K-pop in general, but I love BTS. Um, and I originally heard about BTS in like 2016. I was like around 14, I guess. Um, timeline, I can't remember. My memory's all jacked up. But around that time, my friend had introduced me to BTS and EXO, and I love both of them so deeply in my heart today. But at the time, even though I loved it and I adored it, and we watched a bunch of like the 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 Bangtan TV, like we watched a bunch of videos of BTS so that we could, so that she could teach me who the members were and so that I could get invested, and I was invested. We watched a bunch of EXO stuff. She explained to me the entire timeline of EXO. Like I was introduced to K-pop. She even gave me a whole list of groups to check out, and it was like Seventeen was on there, G Dragon was on there, like every k-pop group you could have think you could have thought of at the time in 2016 was on that list but i didn't i mean okay i listened to it in secret <laughs> um i didn't buy albums i didn't go to concerts i didn't tell anyone that i liked it even my friend would try to talk to me about it and i'd be like oh I kind of like it, um, it's a very casual interest, but then I would go home and I'd be listening to Monster by EXO in secret, to Peter Pan by EXO in secret, I'd be listening to No More Dream by BTS, I'd be listening to No by BTS, I would be hiding the fact that I loved them. And you may say, oh, well, why did you do that? If it made you happy, why did you hide it? And it goes back to teenage girls being made fun of for everything they liked. I was already bullied for not just my music, like for my music taste, for the way I dressed, for, for whatever else, like I was made fun of, um, especially in later elementary school and a little bit into middle school, but like it was just at a point where I couldn't like deal with it and I didn't want to and it was just very detrimental to me. I was made fun of in the sixth grade for having a One Direction backpack. Like that is when you should be liking One Direction at its peak. Like I don't, yeah, I don't get it. But then, I didn't tell people that I liked. I, I tried to tell people I liked Eurovision. I would talk about Eurovision, then I'd get made fun of for that. Because they're like, oh, that music's so weird, you can't even understand it. Um, and so I was like, well, I'm not going to tell people I like K-pop. Because I will, in fact, be ridiculed. Very much. And now I'm sitting here with my room covered in K-pop posters. So I mean, like, it's, look at that character development. So music can be a very big tool, but music can also be incredibly stressful. I mean, that don't even get me started on fandom politics and that sort of stuff, but I feel like people people who make fun of other people's music tastes don't realize that they're inadvertently telling those people whose music tastes they are ridiculing, like they're essentially giving them a free pass to continue to distract themselves with that music. Like, the reason I listened to One Direction, the reason that was such a big moment in my life, um, 
is because I was really sad and I really didn't have many friends. I, w I was pretty isolated. And then there was this group of like beautiful boys from the UK who were like, hey, we love you and we don't know you. And I was like, hell yeah, I love you. <laughs> and that was that was that what a <laughs> what a beautiful love affair and then it's the same thing with bts except this time i'm not being told oh hey we're dudes who love you i'm being told by these very intricate very deep people that i should love myself because i'm the one who's going to be there for me in this world do you know how like that sort of message that music can send Obviously, it helps with stress reduction, like, because listening to music will just help you with stress. But I genuinely have learned to love myself, and it's still a learning curve, I'm still learning. But I'm far more- I'm far kinder to myself. I'm far nicer to myself. Because I always think, like, well, am I actually doing things that prove to me that I love me? Am I taking care of myself? Am I doing these things? And a big part of that influence is BTS. And like, is it kind of strange? Will some people think it's cringy? Yeah, but here's the thing. Everyone is going to think that something's cringy. Everyone's going to think something's cringy. And I spent way too much of my life and of my time trying so hard to not be cringy that I could have been so much happier. I could have been doing these things sooner, but I, I wasn't. And that's just something I have to accept. And that's no fault to the younger me. It's no fault to the younger me at all. Younger me was just trying to get by without going through hell. And I get that. And younger me kept me safe. But now that I'm older and I'm far more comfortable in who I am, I'm far more comfortable in what I like, I can tell people these things. I can talk about it. Because I talk about BTS, but I talk about BTS because they are the major name that everyone knows. In all actuality, my favorite group is Seventeen, and I... I have so much to- th I have, I've gotta, like, I need to meet Seventeen in person because I actually need to thank them for everything they've done. Like, and here's the thing, I'm saying this out loud on this podcast because we're done talking about music and stress, we're talking about this, this random thing that I can do. <laughs> um, so, if I ever say I really need to see this person, I really need to talk to this person, somehow it just happens. Like, examples. Um, I said that I would need to meet Panic at the Disco to thank Brendan Urie, because at the time I was, like, obsessed with Brendan Urie. I was, like, 15. Like, don't judge. Um, <laughs> and then that summer when they toured, my friend got us backstage passes to go meet Panic at the Disco. What? Didn't pay for him? And I brought it up in conversation one time, and then it just happened. Um, Watsky, a rapper who I love and adore, who got me into slam poetry, who got me into rap, like, with me doing it, not just me taking in the art form, but me performing. Watsky, um, he was in concert here, where I live. And I said, God, I need, I need to meet Watsky. And so I did. And he was, I was the only person that he spoke to after the show. I got a picture with him. I got a picture with him and everything. And I gave him a letter that I had written to him and he emailed me a response. Like, what the hell? What the hell? <laughs> what the hell, dude? Like, and that was just from me saying, I need to talk to this person. I've seen Fall Out Boy twice, and both times, I didn't pay, and here's how it happened. The first time, my mom said, I will take you to see Fall Out Boy if I don't have to pay for it, and then we won tickets to the show. The second time, my mom said, hey, I'll take you to Fall Out Boy if I don't have to pay for it, and then someone who is now my best and closest friend 
took me to the show before we were even friends because she thought I looked interesting and like I looked like I liked Fallout Boy. So, <laughs> so I, I just have this very strange luck. I've met, I've met so many people because of me just saying, "Oh, I need to meet them." I've met at least four different voice actors who, if I say their names, you're not going to know who they are, but like they're very important to my life. Um. I've met different- I've met a lot of different bands. I met dudes from Our Last Night, I met Black Veil Brides, but they were dicks, they don't really count. I met Silverstein. Like, I've met people just by saying, I need to meet those people. And then somehow it happened. And so I say this right now. I'm, I'm saying this right now, so that everyone hears it. And so, when I get a picture with BTS and with Seventeen, with all these K-pop groups I love, that you know, <laughs> you know what happened. Um, but I very much especially Seventeen. I need to talk to Seventeen in person. I need to thank them. I need to discuss music with them. I love them. So, keep that in mind. When I, when you see me, when you catch me being a successful musician hanging out with Seventeen, just remember that if you listened to the podcast, you already knew what was going to happen. <laughs> All jokes aside, um, it would be really cool if I met Seventeen. It, I, would, I would cry. I would cry so much, but like, if I'm at 17, BTS, NCT, I'd be, I'd be set for life. I'd just be like, cool, I can die now, <laughs> and I'm happy, I'm fine with it. <sighs> yes, alright. Well, we are just about at time. My lovely, lovely audience, um, I want to give a special thanks to all of my listeners in Germany, because Germany was not a part of my demographics, um, and now Germany makes up quite a big percentage of my demographics. Really strange. Love that. But, so, like, thank you. Love you. Love you, my German listeners. And really, any of my listeners. If you listen to the podcast, I love you. Um, awesome. Well, if you're one of my friends in your life, I love and miss you. If you're one of my online friends, I love and miss you even more because we haven't met yet. And if you're one of my random listeners in a country that is not America, you know what? I adore you the most. You are putting in the work Thank you. Um, other than that, you know what? Stay safe. Wash your hands. Keep wearing a mask. We'll get through this, guys. I, <laughs> I'm telling myself that more than I'm telling you guys that. But, you know what? Just try to be happy. Listen to some music that you used to make fun of. See if you actually like it. That's a that's a, just a suggestion from me to you. If you make fun of people for liking certain music, just go listen to it and see if you can understand what it's all about. Well, you know what? I will see you in the next one. Goodbye.